embellished with a brother and sister. So it's just amazing. Thank you, Frank. Um, I wanted to share from John. Um, so I've been journeying through the book of John. Um, it's, um, it's something where you get to sort of understand John who saw Jesus Christ in the flesh. So one, wow, amazing. He was there when Jesus was here on earth. The same John who years down the line writes the letters to the church, just encouraging them in their walk with God, just encouraging, encouraging them to love and all of that. And that same John gets to write Revelation as well. So what was happening, what was the journey that this person had? So that's just been my uh, my sort of journey, but something that I really wanted to share with you was from John chapter 6. Uh, so as a bit of a context, this is the account where one, um, Jesus feeds the, the 5,000. Um, so obviously a miracle there. And then also immediately after that, he walks into the boat where the disciples were in the middle of the Sea of Capernaum and um, overcomes the, the storm and and they are immediately there at the destination. So once again, a supernatural working of God. So that's the context of John chapter 6. I'm reading out of John 6 verses 35 through to 40. So... John 6, 35 to 40. And, he's, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye, that ye have not seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that, the, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the, this is the Father's will which has had sent me that of all that which he had given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up again on the last day and this is the will of him that sent me that on that every one which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up on that day barring the the these and the thous um, something that you begin to understand is you have a man on a mission. Throughout John, you have, you see Jesus Christ as a man on a mission. And see, that's what confounded a lot of the Jews at that time. Like, here was this man, amazing ministry, amazing uh, supernatural works, all of that. Quick, let's make him king. Let's overcome the Romans. And uh, we have the Jewish kingdom back online again. See, it really confounded a lot of the Jews at that time when they said, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean bread of life? What do you mean? And throughout John, you have other accounts as well. He says, I am the wine and you are the branch. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Here was this Jewish populace that wanted to make Jesus the king, but Jesus was very true to his mission and calling. I mean, even for us now, you know, um, we tend to, uh, we'll, we'll take it uh, to some level of understanding that, yes, Jesus, uh, I believe in him. Um, uh, I, I have, uh, I mean, I'm attending church. I'm, I'm part of the, you know, the body of Christ. But it really challenges us further from there. 
it's really challenging us because it's clashing with our notion of Jesus Christ because we are, we are trying to sort of maintain a balance here on earth. But what you have is a Jesus that says that I am your soul's sustenance. You come and believe in me. I have assured you eternal life. So that's beginning to challenge our notion. So I just want to take, uh, take some time, go through a couple of these verses. Um, in verse 35... Uh, Jesus is actually calling out, and uh, let me read a different version here. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. And he who believes in and cleaves to and trusts in me will never thirst anymore. He is actually challenging our understanding of where do we find our sustenance. What are we actually believing on? At the heart of it, are we sh- who do we have as our soul provider? Who do we look to as our soul strength? Because, you know, we as people here on earth, especially given all that we've now got in terms of technology and knowledge, we'll tend to sort of say, hey, um, I believe in God. Uh, and it's fairly easy, you know, we, we'll, we'll go through the motions, we'll sing it all out, but We'll trust in God, but we'll also have this notion that probably in this area, I probably will have to depend on my own strength. I probably will need, I probably will have an understanding that, yeah, God can do certain things or God has a plan and purpose of my life, but you know what? I want to have it my way. What he's actually inviting us to is, I am the bread of life. Earlier in John, it, uh, you know, when, when there is the account where he, Jesus is being tempted by, by Satan, Jesus replies back saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So I leave it with you this morning. Where do we put our sustenance? The world can have a lot of things. We can come up with a lot of things that we can think about. But finally, at the end of the day, what we have is the word of God that sustains us, that strengthens us. And what, we, what, what, I, uh, what stood out for me is actually the word come. Now, yes, he is the bread of life. There is the question of response. You know, If he's the bread of life, what, are we, what is our response going to be? And that's where come now jokes aside if you look at the word come in hebrew and greek it's all come but what you have is you have a presentation you're presenting yourself to someone you're leaving something and you're coming to a place you see that's the that's the challenge that's the invitation it is can we respond to this yes as people that have known the lord or as people that don't know him and are yet to get into a relationship with him, where are we going to respond? How are we going to present ourselves to this truth on Jesus Christ being the bread of life? The very word that was spoken at creation, that created the heavens and the earth. The very word that was spoken and, and brought breakthrough in the lives of many of the Old Testament prophets and, and characters. But you know what, the very word, I mean, Frank so wonderfully was sharing about, about the journey through healing. The very word that's spoken over, over our lives for life and the fullness of life 
what is our response going to be? So that's my first challenge to you this morning, that um, when, he, when we are confronted with the sole sustenance that Jesus is, what is our response going to be? Now, he goes on into verse 37, and he says, All whom my Father entrusts to me will come to me, and no one comes to me, I will, and no one who comes to me I, I, will cert, I will certainly not cast out. You see, it is the work of God in our lives that begins to unfold as we respond to our, that, that begins to respond to Jesus. It begins to show, you know, you, we, we sang it this morning, you have a good, good father. And that's like a default, it doesn't change. You know, it's like this foundation that, that, that houses are built on and that's where our lives are built on. You have a good father who had a deep desire that his creation would come to know him. His creation would come to uh, a, a knowledge of him and would be made whole. And the only way that could happen was if he sent Jesus on the earth. So you now begin to understand that Jesus was sent on a mission, but it was the underlying intent of the Father, his love for us. Um, it's pretty amazing that when the world talks about love, there's so many different uh, interpretations to it. There's so many different variations to it. But here you have a love. And in, uh, and in 1 John 4 it says, this is love that, Je uh, that he loved us even before we loved him. So even before we even had this notion or an understanding of who God is or what he desires, he loved us. Baseline. That's our default. And from there, you have the representation of that love with Jesus coming on the earth. Now, for a lot of us that are saved, you know, we, we, we are saying, yeah, yes, you know, I, I, I know that, I understand that. But is that love that sustains us as we journey beyond and to go through life? It's for those that do not know him. This is your assurance that wherever you have been, whatever you've been through, know that your Father in heaven loves you so much, sent his only Son on the earth. See, when, when the Bible talks about love, we all know it talks about agape love, this unconditional love. And this love is represented with Jesus Christ coming on the earth. So my second challenge to you this is, uh, is Jesus here on earth was a representation of the intent or the heart of God. He came here to fulfill a mission, yes, but it was also revealing the intent of the Father. Once again, we go back to Genesis and this whole account of when, uh, of when mankind fell into sin, he spoke that. He, 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 he referenced what he would be doing years down the line, that he would be sending in a redeemer. You see, it's not our effort. It's not what we do, but it's just the representation of what the father had when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And now that brings me to verse 38 and 37, where he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will and purpose but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me you see that's um, for me that's 
That's very encouraging. That, that gives me this, this fuller understanding that Jesus was not here to do his own thing. Like, you know, uh, when, I was, when I was much younger, you know, my dad would tell me stuff. And um, usually I had my own agenda to it, you know. There was, there was, there's a reason why I would do it. But here you have this perfect harmony. You have this perfect harmony with the father sending the son and the son constantly refers. See, when you, when you read John, you have Jesus talking about what I see, what I have seen in heaven. I do what I have seen my father do in heaven. I do what, uh, what the father has asked me to do. I, I speak of what the father has intended. For, uh, intended. So it's always referencing to I was in heaven, but when I'm here on earth, I am speaking that which the Father has for me. And it's just, and, and, and Russ quoted Philippians 2, where he gave up everything that he had in heaven and came down to earth. Once again, love represented. There was no need for him to give up everything that he had, but he gave up everything, came down on this earth, and even before he died, before he died, what he was, whatever he was doing, healing the sick, proclaiming breakthrough, declaring the kingdom of God, everything what he saw in heaven was what he was speaking into being here on earth. <clears throat> so you have this, this, um, this fulfillment of the will of God with Jesus Christ coming on this earth. And I'd like to just, for us to just pause over here because eventually we'll be uh, having communion. But you see, this is what Christ was here on earth for. And for those of us that have the, that, that have had and are having the opportunity of having a relationship with him, this is where it comes full circle for us. And for those that do not know him, this is a joy of knowing God, that he has loved you much before that you have realized and much before you could even love him. He came into this earth to die for our sins and to give us life and the abundance of life. And let me just say in verse 39 and 40, it doesn't stop here with our life here on earth. I read verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me that I should not lose any of all that he has given me, but that I should Give new life and raise them up on the last day. Reference to eternity. He goes on into verse 40 and he says, For this is my Father's will and purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on him should have uh, eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. It's amazing that we have the, the abundance and the goodness of God here on earth now. But the past few weeks would challenge our notion on that confidence and that safe keeping. The same John, when he writes Revelation, he, he writes about a lot of things, quite graphic, quite, quite challenging things that, we, can, that we, uh, we struggle to understand. But there is an eternity. There is really an eternity. And that's what Jesus was here for as well. It's not just to give ourselves the goodness and, and, the, uh, and, and the blessings of life for here and now, but there's also an eternity. 
And if there is an eternity, there is also the challenge of endurance. There is the work of the Holy Spirit that is there in us that strengthens us for this journey and also the hope that is preserved in us for that eternity with him. Let's just shift beyond what we see and, uh, and hear and, and are uh, comfortable with here and now to, to the fact that we are being preserved for an eternity. The, the question of enduring till the end. So there is going to be a challenge to faith. There is going to be the confrontation which the name of Jesus brings. Frank sort of mentioned, you know, the fact that he, he was declaring his, uh, his testimony brought him in confrontation with a lot of people. See, that's what the next few days, months, if not years, are going to bring us. And seriously, not to scare, the, uh, scare us all out, but it is the fact that there is an eternity that we need to uh, be ready for. And that readiness means that there is an endurance that we need to run for. You look at any sprint in, in the athletics, everyone can start great. You have that, that the, the entire middle where everyone is positioning, you know, keeping their lanes and running, but it's a finishing that matters. Your finishing is assured in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by your effort, but because of him. And he's left his spirit and he's given you his spirit that en and strengthens you. So if there's something that I, that, that I can summarize with is, one, is Jesus is your source. And if I can pause here is, what is our response going to be, especially if you don't know him? And the second is that there is the intent of the Father. That's why Jesus was here on a mission. And the third is the relevance of an eternity. If eternity is relevant in our lives, then there will be a need for us to endure. There will be a need for us to stay the course and stay the course together. Uh, in all of this, something that's, uh, en encouraged, uh, that, that, that's encouraged me is verse 38, which says that, for I've come down from heaven not to do the will, not to do my own will, and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. As we partake in communion, I just want us to stay focused on that. Here you have a man who gave up all his godly being, gave up everything that he have had in heaven, came down to die for us, made us whole because of his sacrifice. And he says that whenever you partake, remember the sacrifice. Remember me. Thank you, Frank. Yes, remember me. Remember the sacrifice. Remember the fact that you've been made whole. Remember the fact that, you've been, that you are now preserved for an eternity with him. Uh, there are two sections uh, of the elements that's kept aside over there. So if we could sort of go over, pick them up, come back to our seats. Um, I'd like to sort of, uh, for all of us to partake in communion together. So let's just go up, pick up the elements. So probably this section has got an, uh, a set over there, and this section's got an element right at the back over there by May sitting. So just make yourself over to those sections. Come back, and let's just do it together.
Let's just settle back in our seats. I'm reading from Colossians 1. Verse 15 onwards, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is above all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. His body was broken for you and because of which you are restored and made whole. Let's partake together. His blood was shed for you so that we could stand rightly before him, blameless and pure. Let's partake together. And verse 21 goes on to say, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled into his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach before him. Father, we thank you for your work that's done, your finished work, and the fact that because of what you have done, we have this assurance, this sure confidence, the anchor of our hope, that we now stand pure and whole. And at the same time, this anchor sustains us for this life journey that we can endure and stand at the very end. Stand before you blameless and pure once again because of what Jesus has done. Thank you so much, O oh Lord, for your love. Thank you so much, O oh Lord, for, your, for all that you do in us. The work of the Spirit that, that, that stirs us to, to continue to live for you. The fact that we can, we can understand your word and renew our minds and be more like you and not to be conformed to this world anymore. Thank you, O Lord, for the outworking of your good works in us that you have foreordained that we are now your ambassadors here on earth to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim your, your love to this world. And Lord, even at these challenging times, let us run that race, focusing heavenward, pressing on to be with you and to remain true to you, O Lord. Lord, we thank you for one another, and I speak a blessing over this body. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.